Welcome to Episode Zero, Part Two of Hollowed Ground Storycast. I'm Alan. And I'm Anya, and there are a few announcements we realized that we wanted to make before dropping our first episode looking at Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So first things first, let's talk about spoilers and about whether we're expecting people to read or watch the source material before listening to the podcast. Right. Because I realized, like, after we put out the episode zero, that I listen to a lot of podcasts where... I don't necessarily watch the show that they're talking about, or there's even like a book club podcast that I listen to where I never read the book. I just enjoy the hosts so much that I listen to them talk about the book. And sometimes they talk about the book. I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And then I'll go buy the book afterwards, but I never like participate along with them. And I was like, that's totally normal behavior that all other people do, right? So I don't need to tell anybody that that's how they should treat our show. And then I realized, oh, no, it's actually not normal behavior. I'm a weirdo. And that we should probably give people a heads up. We would love them to read along and to watch along, but they don't necessarily have to. Yeah, I'm definitely closer to the other side of the spectrum than you are. Like, um, our friend Mandy's show, Pop Culturally Deprived. I'll listen to an episode if I've seen the thing, even if it was like 10 years ago and I don't remember it that well, that's fine. But if I've literally never seen it, I I don't do that. I would try and track the, the movie or TV show down first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess you might get more out of the podcast if you do read or watch the thing first. But... We're going to try to make the episodes interesting enough and personal enough that you don't have to. You know, maybe listening to the episode will make you want to or help you decide whether you want to or not. Exactly. Because it's really about our personal stories of how this affected us. Like, that's the reason we're doing the podcast. It's not necessarily to analyze the story or, like, illuminate anything about the text it's really though we will I will say that we are trying to do that as well. That's not oh, totally. our primary yeah. goal. Right. So I don't know if we made that clear in episode zero. I hope we did. But if we didn't, we're definitely doing <laughs> this this part two to clear it up. And so sp- <laughs> having said all of that, I feel like that really follows from our sort of spoiler philosophy, which I guess is that spoilers shouldn't really be that important important most of the time, right? What makes a story great is not the actual plot points of like finding out what happens, right? It's the journey. It's about the emotional experience of being in the story. So if a story is really good, knowing what happened shouldn't ruin it for you. Okay, so having said all of that, though, our first episode for Buffy is going to be a little bit different. There are a handful of plot twists in Buffy that are really awesome and I think part of the experience of watching it the first time through. And if you, the listener, have not seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, we want to at least give you the option to protect yourself from that. So (laughs) our (laughs) Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode is going to be broken into two sections. The first section is going to cover seasons one through four. At the end of that section, we are going to take a moment 
and give you the choice. If you have not seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer and are intrigued enough by our conversation about seasons one through four, you can press pause and come back (laughs) in a couple months after you've binged all seven seasons and keep listening from there. And then we'll have another section of the podcast where we talk about the show as a whole. So I'm assuming that most of the people who listen to the podcast are going to already be Buffy fans or have no interest in actually watching the show. But if you are in that weird middle group and we manage to reach (laughs) into your cold, bitter heart, (laughs) um, then we will give you that option. And second, we want to give you guys a heads up about the upcoming topics beyond Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And real talk here, hype the shit out of them a little bit. (laughs) So coming up after Buffy, we're going to be covering my favorite movie of all time called Me and You and Everyone We Know. That's so good. (laughs) The movie is hilarious. I loved it. I'd never heard of it, but I watched it you know, for the show and for you. And uh, I was like, this is so good. Yeah, it's really, it's unlike any movie I've ever seen. It's written, directed, and starring Miranda July, who's actually not really a filmmaker um, or an actress. She's best known as an artist. Um, And it definitely has like kind of a quirkier than normal approach to movie making. You know, the only way that I could think to categorize it, because I I feel like the movie defies categorization, but it, it made me think of like a Coen Brothers movie with no darkness and just like filled with quirk where all the darkness is in a <laughs> Coen Brothers movie. It was, I don't know any other way to describe it. I don't know if it is. It's labeled a romantic comedy, but I don't know what you would call this thing. Oh, it's absolutely not a romantic comedy. I think the romance is like, the central romance is not the most important part of the story. And I, you know, I hesitate to use the word quirk too much because I feel like that brings up echoes of Manic Pixie Dream Girl, which is absolutely not what this movie is. Yeah, you can tell this movie is so weird and thorny and wonderful. Like, we just don't. There's not words for it. You just have to experience it. Yeah. Um, And you kind of have to experience it twice because at the end of watching it the first time, you'll just be like, what the fuck happened? I liked it, but I don't know what it was. Um, Right. Yeah. So when I initially selected this movie, it was streaming on Netflix. It is no longer, unfortunately. Well, as of right now, um, when we record this at in the middle of August, it is exclusively on Sundance. Like you can't even get it from Amazon digitally in America. I'm not sure what the rights are in other places, but so um, I actually I see it on iTunes for two ninety nine to rent, nine ninety nine to buy. Oh, there you go. So yeah, this is a movie that I would highly recommend watching. Again, don't feel like you have to, but I would definitely recommend it. I'm super looking forward to discussing it in detail with you. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah, I can't wait. In November after that, we're going to be watching The Kingdom of Heaven, uh, the director's cut from Ridley Scott. Uh, It's like a 2005 kind of action political drama set in the Middle Ages, like during the Crusades. So 
there are two versions of this movie. It's a little bit confusing, and I just wanted to clear it up for people. So if you look up Kingdom of Heaven, there's the theatrical release, and then there's the director's cut. And, you know, like Lord of the Rings fans might be familiar with like the longer version of the Lord of the Rings that you can watch or get on Blu-ray. And then there's like the theatrical, you know, only two and a half hours instead of three and a half hours. This is a little bit like that, except that in my opinion, the theatrical release of Kingdom of Heaven is fundamentally broken as a story and doesn't work. And the director's cut fixes many, many problems uh, with the addition of like 20 minutes of material. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I chose the director's cut. Now, it's a little bit difficult to watch this movie, like in terms of it's not on any streaming services like Hulu or Netflix, but you can rent it from Amazon and iTunes or purchase it. I've seen both versions, but we're going to be talking about the director's cut and I'll illuminate the differences when we talk about it. It's one of my favorite movies. And I think it's a really important movie um, for various political reasons, you know, like in the climate that we live in right now on lots of different levels. I love the movie. It's amazing. I <laughs> unfortunately, I'm not as good of a podcast co-host as you are, and I haven't watched this one yet, so I don't really <laughs> have much to say about it, but uh, I'm sure it will be lovely and I can't wait to watch it. Um, so then in December, it's going to be my turn again, and we're going to be talking about the movie that basically changed the course of my life uh, as far as my career goes. Um, so I guess I won't say that this is the reason why I became a scientist, but it's certainly the reason why I became a scientist studying infectious diseases and really like changed the direction of my studies. It's a movie and it's a book. It's called And the Band Played On. The book is by Randy Schultz and the movie was a made-for-TV movie put out by HBO in I think 1993. Mm -hmm. um, and it is available for streaming still on HBO. So if you're a Game of Thrones fan and you pay for HBO for that, congratulations, you have free access to it. So it is not available for rent on iTunes, but you can buy it for $9.99. And it is a little bit 90s in tone, but uh, or like aesthetic, I guess. But it's a movie about the 80s, so it's sort of like, <laughs> it works. <laughs> it just makes it feel like it's in the era that it's actually in. Um, but it has an amazing cast. Uh, Lily Tomlin, Matthew Modine, Richard Gere, Ian McClellan, B.D. Wong. Um, <laughs> every, every other scene, you're just like, oh, that person, that person. <laughs> um, and so I guess we haven't e even really talked about what it's about. It's about the emergence of HIV AIDS in the early 80s in the US. And sort of it follows the epidemiologists and the leaders in the gay community and the scientists all trying to figure out what's going on um, and sort of tracks the social and political and biological reasons why we basically allowed AIDS to happen. It wasn't something that just happened to us. It was something that we helped make. Kind of like you were saying for Kingdom of Heaven, it feels so relevant based on today's political and political scientific atmosphere. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I also have not watched this movie like you have not seen Kingdom of Heaven yet, but I did read the book. I mean, it's a long book. If anybody wants to read it, you should probably 
um, get on that before <laughs> before December. But because it's about seven hundred pages, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty long. But it was incredibly moving and and really infuriating by the end. Like when it comes to politics, I tend to have all of my emotions kind of out of it, and I'm very like logical and almost cynical in a way about the way that I see things. And by the end of it, I was really fired up, and I was like, "Man, these people! God damn it! Like, how <laughs> dare they?" And uh, I was very upset. So I. I'm really interested in the adaptation. I'm not sure how you make this into a movie successfully, but I'm excited to see it. I think this movie should basically be required for everyone to watch at some point, just to sort of like understand the fallibility of human systems. There's like so many, so many lessons that everybody needs to learn from this. That's a great point. That's really what I learned from the book. I was just like, I think I have a really idealized view of science and academia and maybe to a lesser extent politics. But but I was like, by the end of it, I was like, oh, right. People are people. And, and there's just all these problems are caused by selfishness and laziness and, and people died because of it. And it's crazy and tragic and people should know about it. Yeah. And also just people, you know, making the wrong decisions, not out of laziness or malice, but just making the wrong decision because they had imperfect information or like weren't weighing information correctly. So we're planning in January, it's uh, my pick that month. And we're planning to do maybe the most important book to me, uh, a book called Wild Seed by Octavia Butler. And this is like a science fiction fantasy novel. So <laughs> I wish I could say that it's lighter than And the Band Played On, but it is um, pretty dark. But I do want to tell people there's no other version of this except for a book. And so it's a lot to ask people to read a book. And I want to have a lot of lead time for people. I highly, highly, highly recommend anything by Octavia Butler. She's a genius and one of the most important people in science fiction and fantasy um, from the last 50 years maybe the most important person for my generation coming up, in my opinion. But Wild Seed is my favorite book of hers. And it's a book that I read every year. And it's so important to me. So we're going to talk about it. Yeah. And I have not read this book yet. But Octavia Butler is, I feel like, in the news so much lately. She just got a TV show. So Ava DuVernay is adapting Octavia Butler's Dawn books in a TV show. Um, and so I've been reading so much about her in the news lately, and people just keep talking about how amazing she is and how how revolutionary and awesome she was. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading this book. It changed my life in a lot of ways. Like I said, I've read it every year, and I continue to find new things in it every single time. It continues to change my life. I love that book. So that's a, a heads up on a book that we'll have. So there's plenty of time to read it. It's not very long and it's a novel. So it kind of flies by. It's a good story. Okay. So I guess that wraps us up for now. I'm Anya and you can follow me on Twitter at Strangely Literal. That's Strangely then L-I-T-E-R-L. I'm Alan and you can follow me on Twitter at Chipper Allen. You can follow the show on Twitter at HG Storycast and visit our website at HGStoryCast.com. Mm-hmm.